You just heard The Reaper and Witchery from Witchery from the Restless and Dead record. This is a Requiem Metal Podcast. I am Mark. And I'm Jason. And uh, once again, back to Sweden. Of course. What, where else is there? <laughs> uh, it's funny. I was reading some of the, uh, the iTunes reviews and yeah. uh, people were like, they're kind of like Swedophobes, but I guess it could be worse. Swedophiles. Swedophiles, because there's a lot of, uh, yeah, because Swedophobe would be if we were afraid of Sweden. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they said, but well, I guess there's worse countries to, to yeah. sort of worship. No, it's funny, like, it just sort of, it's it's kind of random happenstance how that happens, you know, like, you know, like, when we did Craft a few weeks ago, or a few episodes ago, it was like, it wasn't because they were Swedish, it was just because it was an interesting black metal band that had just put out a recent record that was kind of relevant, and mm-hmm. so it just so happened that they had, you know, they were Swedish and stuff, but, um, you know, in Witchery's... Um, I don't want to say atypical of the, the Swedish scene because a lot of their musical stuff and influence is sort of drawing upon, you know, Merciful Fate and Destruction and Sodom and a, well, lot, of a lot of classic ways, thrash kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of ways they were like part of the thrash revival before thrash revival yeah. where it was like, uh, who's another band like Angel Dust? Their first record is kind of similar mm-hmm. to that too where it's very thrashy but it had death metal vocals. Yeah. Similar, I guess, to how a lot of the Gothenburg stuff was. But, but they, I mean, were, you know, they yeah. were unique to the fact that this, this was complete thrash but with like some of the best you know screechy vocals i think i've ever heard from toxine well and you had like uh the crown that were around doing thrashier Mm -hmm. kind of death metal type stuff like death race king was around this era as well Mm -hmm. which is pretty thrashy yep you know you had uh um geez why did i just draw a blank well i mean obviously the haunted which is kind of like Mm -hmm. was was connected in some ways with witchery because of uh patrick jensen mm-hmm. you know being you know the guitar player in both those bands and stuff but uh you know and you're kind of hot off the heels i guess of like the the sort of slaughter of the soul impact that happened in 95 that wave is still sort of moving i think through not only sweden but through you know america and and the rest of europe on, on some think, level yeah witchery was one of the few bands that actually looked back toward the early 80s like you know merciful fate and Ex- old accept and stuff like that were Nobody really captured that yeah. that song or that kind of sound. I think since since those bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the interesting thing, uh, Charlie D'Angelo also played on, on several Merciful Fate records. Sure. Yeah, a lot of that nineties stuff, along. right? Yeah, you know, like uh, was he on In the Shadows? No, that was Just, the last one with uh, with Tim. What's his face? Oh, Timmy Tinson or Timmy Tinson? Yeah, yeah. So, or, that was yeah. kind of the classic lineup, I think. And then yeah, the one time, time I think where was Charlie shows Charlie. up. Yeah, and that was ninety four. So. But, uh, you know, basically the roots of witchery, for, for those of you unfamiliar with these these guys, is uh, Satanic Slaughter, which was, uh, were they kind of like a thrash death metal band in the 80s that, that sort of was kind of cultish? And then, That's from what, from what I could gather, because Necropolis put out, in 95, they put out a self-titled that was kind of a bunch of those older songs that were written, you know, in the late 80s or something. Uh, and that <clears throat> had a piss poor recording, but yet... It, I, it's, but, but it sounds cool, you know. The recording is, it's really super lo-fi and rough. The drums sound like they're in a, you know, kind of like hitting cardboard boxes and stuff. I, I absolutely love that record. The first one, at least. They went on to do a couple more after that. But, yeah, I never heard any of the other stuff, just but that, that uh, Yeah, the 95 recording is almost the entire group of Witcher. You got Toxine on vocals, who is also, what's his name? Uh, t- Tony Kampner. Tony Kampner is, is what uh, he was going by. That yeah, and he was in Seance as well. Also a guitar, a guitar player, player yep. in Seance, doing vocals. And, then and it's not just Toxine, but Toxine Bargfrost. Bargfrost, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had Patrick Genzen and Richard Corpse on guitar. And then, uh, forget who was the bass player for those on the... Well, Charlie is... Well, from um, Satanic Slaughter. Oh, uh, oh boy. 
Yeah, I guess uh, it was the guy that matter. passed away in uh, 2006 that they dedicated uh, Symphony for the Devil for. Yeah. Um, I, his name escaped. So basically, there. most of that band um, came went on to, to form Witchery, but in, in you know in the interim there was you know Seance, which was most of those guys as well with Mickey on drums, who was played on the first uh, I think the first three uh, Witchery records. Yep. Up until um, until Matt Axelrod joins. Yeah, Dead Hot and Ready was his last one. Yep. Now, Mick A was not in Satanic Slaughter, but he was in Seance, right? No, he was in he was, was in, he in Satanic, Satanic as, well? as well. Okay, okay. yeah, because that whole that whole group, you know, the Seance, even um, you know, Haunted to some degree, mm-hmm. you know, p- pulling in some of those guys as well. And all those bands were like so heavily thrash influenced, even though they were death metal, you know, yeah. in some ways. You but know? I think if you look at all three of those bands, look at Witchery, look at Seance and uh, Satanic Slaughter, and they didn't sound like anybody else. Mm-hmm. Seance especially was a really bizarre sounding band, especially the second record, which we've talked about. I think we did a show about them. No, but we've talked about we've talked about Salt Rab Dies before. It's such you know? a weird bass heavy, just bizarre stuff. I mean, not not there, I can't think of another death metal band that sounded just like them. Uh, yeah. For Neverly Dress, the first record's a little bit more conventional, but they Salt Rab Dies was yeah, it's a strange weird, record. weird, weird band. Um so yeah, they've always been that really kind of like more leaning toward bass heavy stuff as well, even though they've had um different bass players between it that have kind of the same like aesthetic, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Restless and Dead, you mentioned, um, I think, a big tipping point band that was starting to really, their influence was really starting to pour through in a lot of these European bands was Accept around this era. And I think it it feels strange now, but, you know, back when I was in high school and and younger, you never heard Accept mentioned when you were talking about any of the proto sort of thrash stuff. Because you just thought, Vows, do the Wows. That's all anybody thought. And it's more ACDC ACDC ish in terms of Teutonic shit. Yeah. But, like, you know, Restless and Wild was, of course, their big record, uh, which had Fast as a Shark and, you know, Princess of. uh, I can't think of that song. Uh, it's the last song on the it's record. It's a terrible name. It's, it's, it's a cool name. It's a cool song. It's though, like but, a yeah. It's like um, a German. But uh, but restless and but restless and dead is obviously an ode to that on some level. And you've got the first of three successive uh, Chris and Wallen color uh, covers. You know, mm-hmm. Necrolord from uh, Grotesque and uh, Liars and Wait and um, Chris and Wallen also was in uh, Great Deceiver. Great Deceiver and Diabolique, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah he was the main dude in Diabolique. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, so it's got a little bit of a pedigree with, with that sort of classic, you know, death metal bands. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dissect, you know, Wallen did what? Dissection. Um, Dark Funeral. Um, he's done a shit ton. Yeah. I mean, him and Dave, Dan Seagrave are kind of the guys to go to for yep. Swedish death metal. And, um, but I would, we, you know, when this record came out in 98, this, of course, we've talked about the 97, 98 sort of metal scene and, and what a weird place it was. Um, you know, you had the melodic Gothenburg metal stuff that was kind of coming about. You had the symphonic black metal that was kind of, you know, bubbling around. You had the re-rise of power metal with, like, you know, um, Hammerfall's first records and, and Primal, Primal Fear, Fear and, yeah, and stuff like that. And even, like, Rhapsody was, was you know, starting to make their movement. And Blind Guardian was putting Nightfall out in 98 as yep. well. So, I mean, yep. there was there was roots in, in a lot of different things happening. But the, the retro, you know, thrash had kind of been seen as like sort of tired in a way you know other than like a little bit of thrash inflected death metal that like you heard on solder of the soul you Mm -hmm. know but other than that there wasn't like a real big kind of retro thrash thing that was going but slaughter soul is basically slayer yeah exactly thrash it's not it's i don't think it's like and that's not like much exodus or exactly that thrash had never really gone out of favor i mean slayer always Mm -hmm. kind of you know stuck the pedal in metal and kind of stayed consistent you know you had um 
you you had R Noir putting out like Black Thrash Attack around this time over in Norway. You had you know bands like you know you had Bewitched kind of doing some mm-hmm. of the, this sort of stuff. Um, and you, certainly some of the black metal bands were were starting to pull in a, a few thrash elements now and again. I mean, Dark Throne like would would throw a few of those riffs out here and there, but it wasn't like in your face in the it way that Dark Throne does several it now. years later. Yeah, yeah. And so this this record just sort of seemed. Um, it seemed alongside like the first couple of Haunted's, it just sort of came out of nowhere and you were like, Oh, this is, this it's is kind of like a shot in the arm there. Yeah. Brought them. the fresh air and yeah. stuff. And I would go on and, and having, you know, continually pulled this record out in the last 13 years since it came out, I would say that <laughs> this, what's that? That's funny to think it's been out 13 so years. <laughs> I know it's crazy. It was my, uh, my sophomore year in college when I remember picking this up, yeah. I think, uh, fall of 98, because I was living with uh, Brad and Tweed, and uh, it was right around the same time that Don Slaughter's Son came out, uh, mm-hmm. Death Sound of Perseverance, uh, just that that era. Well, this was an interesting time where actually like Necropolis had was putting out some good stuff, some decent things. Yeah. This is right before they kind of folded, I think, yep. in like '99 or 2000. But I would go out so far to say that uh, out of all the retro thrash stuff, uh, and that includes some of the things going on today, I would put this in the upper echelons. In fact, maybe even into the the sort of Hall of Fames of retro thrash. You mm-hmm. know, like. Obviously, it's not part of the first or second waves of thrash in the 80s and never want it to be that. But I, I feel like this record in particular, from start to finish, there's not one one bad song on it. It's, it's really inspired. I mean, it's, the, you don't really hear it. Like, it's hard to even try to pick tracks off this because the whole record's so damn good. Yeah, I mean, we settled at five out of the ten. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. not a long record at all. And really, five songs only is 17 minutes, which isn't you know a long time. But... You know, I mean, we could have very well played, you know, four, you know, four of the other songs. I mean, we could have played the whole record. But, yeah. yeah. And, and really said, this is witchery. You know, if you want to <laughs> yeah. know what witchery is by this record, you know. So, you know, I think Mark and I will both, you know, definitely put our, our stamp of approval that no matter what you feel about witchery at the end of maybe, you know, this this show, when we go through, I guess, the toxin years, as we're calling it, mm-hmm. um, that, that out of anything, like, this is the one to have. You know, absolutely, and yeah. it's 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 not to say that their later stuff isn't great, but but it, it it's inconsistent. I would and say this and Symphony for the Devil is the are the two most solid records they did. Yeah, and along with find if you can find the Witchburner EP, but yep. it's kind of pricey now. Yep, and the Witchburner EP is mostly covers, but the the three songs that are originals that we'll play uh, definitely hold up and are kind mm-hmm. of barn burners and stuff. But I mean, you know, right away the the record kicks off with the Reaper, and and it, it's it's kind of a statement song, really. You know, I mean, it. it it goes for the throat, but yet it's like utterly catchy. It's got like a blackened thrash sort of thing. I mean, so you know what they actually remind me of that I don't think we brought up at all is kind of like the first couple of Children of Bodom records minus the keyboards because those were heavily influenced by like yeah. Randy Rhodes guitar playing and eighties yeah, hard rock and true. thrash too. And I never and I the guess because of the metaphors and stuff. I, I I think because uh, the hokiness of some of the keyboards that it's hard for me to like relate it to that era. But yeah, when you, when you really think about it, I think right. the first three bottom records are. Pretty oh, fantastic, man! I love, <laughs> I, especially the third one, uh, Father Reaper. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, kissing the shadows, like, whew, yeah, yeah, it's got some Iron Maiden like galloping stuff. I mean, you're right. It's really good in the now the about 80s. it, but yeah, they were one of those bands that kind of popped out of nowhere, just like Witchery. I think that was when just everybody else was experimenting. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was sort of a curveball in the yeah. middle of that scene. You know, but I think what holds Bodum back, and for some people, when they they sort of place them, I don't want to say in history or or whatever, but 
it is the the sort of keyboards and you either that's like a make or break you know for for i think some people you know i think metal purists might kind of be like eh alexi can play the shit out of the guitar and stuff but like some of the keyboard stuff is a little him and warman went back and forth as you know like dueling hey i I like it too i like it i like it until that you know until after that third record and then it's it gets really inconsistent for me you know yeah, blood drunk um, and all that garbage but which is funny because that's the stuff that like my students really like globbed onto and love and it's really not that different i don't want to talk too much more about children no but, but the uh vocally is where it, when he stopped doing the the screechy vocals that's when i lost it yeah because it sounds stupid and it's one of the things that like toxin does so well which is like he's making like they're making these utterly catchy songs with like these just screeching kind of like vocals like cutting into it in the same way that like our noir does that too now where like they'll play like the catchiest riff ever but like have you know like stuff over it you know i mean and slave does that really well too oh totally slave will like create like some of the most beautiful like layered progressive psychedelic music with just sickening vocals over top and i love that dynamic you know because yeah witchery is really i think their their closest kind of kinship is to merciful fate or king diamond in Mm -hmm. general but king diamond always had that you know the higher register but this is just like paint peeling kind of shit happening on here it's great and you know like in a and and the the other cool thing and this is one i think one of the problems i have sometimes with some of the retro thrash stuff um and and i I, i'll use them as an example even though I, i i truly love toxic holocaust but i think one of the things that when you're listening to like us a band like a toxic holocaust and maybe i'm i'm using them as a a poor example they're sort of always on like one speed the whole time and always like kind of like yeah kind of just and that's fine and it's in the same way that like exodus is almost always go 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 you know yeah and what what you hear in like a song like the the eponymous witchery cut that Mm -hmm. we just played a second ago is you see like witchery's not afraid to like slow it down slow the tempo down you know, really let a groove breakdown sort of happen. Um, Charlie does a lot of that by like his bass playing in terms he's of letting the counter. songs breathe. Yeah, he's playing counter to the like drums that. and to the guitar. And if you like, pay attention to the the breaks and the time changes. They're fucking weird as hell. Yeah, there's one in the Reaper that just it like almost slows down a little bit for a second. Yeah, but yet the like riff is still like everything else is going but something's weird with the guitars and then it like speeds back up again because yeah i've tried actually the last couple of days i've been playing along with restless and dead a little bit on drums and some of those changes out of nowhere are just like how do you even anticipate how to go into that yeah that slowdown or like the riffs just like turn on a dime it's and that's the genius cool. of like a guy like jensen you know yeah. I mean, he you know he's you know you said he, he you've always heard he's maybe kind of a strong personality and, and stuff. i'm just guessing he's he seems like he's very uh, I don't know. He seems you know, in interviews and stuff. He seems fine, but as far he seems like he, I think he's got the uh, kind of his hand around or his th- hand around the throat of the band a little bit. As far as he does most of the riffs, yeah, and stuff like that. But also some of the later on stuff, um, D'Angelo and um, Richard Corpse doesn't seem to be much of a songwriter. He's more just he's more, just more solos. Guy. But yeah. Toxine does a lot of stuff yeah. as well. Yeah, because I mean Toxine was a guitar player, you yeah, know, for for Sands and stuff. So. But um, yeah, I mean, so that's that's one of the aspects that I love so much about Restless and Dead is the the variety of the songs. You know, a song that we're not playing um, that's a little bit slower is like a song like House of the Rain, uh, House of Raining Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Sounds like a Fulci movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like it's it's kind of like a slower kind of uh, slow to mid pace kind of song with a few like fast moments and stuff. And then you've got barn burners like you know like the Reaper or like a song we're gonna hear in the next set. Um, probably my favorite witchery song of all time, which is Awaiting the Exorcist. Mm-hmm. And there's something about Awaiting the Exorcist that's like. To, you know, it's three minutes long, but it toes this line with like really like triumphant, epic sounding, uh, super catchy, like one catchy riff sort of after another. Mm-hmm. And then like Toxine, like puking these vocals over top of the like chorus oh, yeah. as they're doing like kind of like a an epic kind of solo. But there's also or not a lot epic, of like, like uh, an epic riff, you know, a lot of like black metal, um, I would like dissonance yeah. to the guitarist too that's. Uh, you know, a little bit mayhemish at times, but not quite that lo-fi. Oh, yeah. But they're definitely pulling in some black metal influences as well that isn't quite as obvious just to, like, the passerby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, so hopefully you're familiar with Restless and Dead, but one of the one of the impetuses for us doing this show and, and, and deciding to... It's probably out of print. It might be, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because Necropolis, you know, I mean, yeah. I don't know what the availability of a lot of Necropolis stuff is these days. You know? I, I, yeah, I, I got Witchburner EP a couple years ago. I just I recently had, had to rebuy it because uh, I had uh, it for a while and sold it years ago, and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some, that's why you don't sell stuff yeah, anymore. <laughs> no, so. Mark knows that all too well. Yes, yes. But I've also learned that lesson several times. But, you know, like songs like The Hangman, uh, just uh, really listen to like the, the bass playing that Charlie does like in this, you know, because like what Mark was just saying about the how he plays counter to like everything else. It's it's such a strange style. And you said he does a lot of that on the Merciful Fate stuff, too, right? Yeah, just this weird like he's almost instead of the drums being like the, the timing device for the songs his bass playing is he's kind of doing it and he's i think he's a really underrated bass player i mean because you know he's an arch enemy mm-hmm. as well and uh, he doesn't really show off that much in that but as far as his his style and witchery and merciful fate i absolutely love that stuff it just mm-hmm. sounds great yeah i mean he's kind of like the secret weapon you yeah know, he's like dd verney and like overkill and stuff and i really know? don't know anything about him if he's swedish if he's american because that's danish this, yeah <laughs> Who knows? Because at this point, I think King Diamond was living in you know Texas. Texas, yeah. So I don't know if he like recruited a couple, you know, because Snowy Shaw was playing drums. Who's also I, I don't know if he's a Swede or if he's. I think he is Swedish. Is he? Yeah. And then before that, you know, Mickey D. So it was just this weird mix of you know international stuff <laughs> yeah. happening. Yeah. But uh, you know the the thing about like, and and Mark and I had this debate, and and maybe you you the listener can weigh in on this. There's so much strength in Restless and Dead and then the Witchburner EP, which comes out um, five months later. You know, yeah. so you're talking about, you know, in less than a year, you've got this fantastic debut record and this pretty amazing EP that featured four covers, you know, like Fast as a Shark from Accept, um, Neon Knights, Black Sabbath, uh, I Want to Be Somebody from... Uh, and then Riders on, the, Riders on the... Riders on the Wind. Or riding on the wind from Judas Priest, yeah. I think. Yeah, and then um, some weird selections, but it, it kind of shows where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's kind of like where the Neon Knights is because you're so. I mean, they don't really veer much at all in the guitar playing, <laughs> but the vocals are. And you're you're used to you, you're thinking, okay, Dio's going to come in this. Whoa, yeah. down, and then it's, <laughs> <laughs> it works. So yeah, yeah that's it's, the it's fantastic. Yeah, um, but then you get these three these three um, new songs at the end: the Howling, the Executioner, and Witchburner. And be- you know, if you throw those three songs on Restless and Dead and call like those like the first thirteen witchery songs that are written, I mean, there's not many bands there's there's not many bands that could 
put up 13 songs that are strong as this because you know once you get to the Witchburner EP you know you you got to start name dropping things like you know early creator Sodom destruction yeah that whole a lot like, more German, German thrash stuff. stuff and I mean this is the first time we actually hear Slayer mm-hmm. riffs come in I think those those three songs the you know the Howling Executioner and Witchburner they don't ever come close to that kind of like songwriting style that ferocity you know it's very like haunting the chapel or hell awaits you know yeah in a way you could compare the witchburner ep to like haunting the chapel where like the last episode Mm -hmm. we were talking about where haunting the chapel just upped the intensity so much from what show no mercy had been yeah where show no mercy was built around really great characteristic like catchy new wave of british heavy metal hooks and songwriting like live out of sword and, and things like that uh, the the stuff like the howling and, and executioner is just so like so heavy. I mean, it's almost borderline, you know, death metal in terms of like having some possessed moments and, and different things like that. Oh sure, but, uh, you know, like like I said, then you know, did they like put too much almost great stuff out so quick and raise the expectations because by the time we get to their third record, which we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, you know, it's debatable on whether or not they've. Uh, shot their proverbial wad almost in, See, I, in a way. I, yeah, because I, I mean, in the last couple of days I've listened to it like three times, and I think a lot of it has to do with the production. The production's really kind of monotonous and thin. Um, there's not a whole lot of like depth to it at all. Yeah. And uh, but still, then the songwriting's not really blowing my pants off either. Sure. You know, so it's it's a weird. I don't know if it's just a sophomore slump kind of thing or sure. or what, but yeah. But we'll uh, something something we'll definitely sort of talk about is is where to what happens after these first these first couple releases and, and kind of how how does it come about. So uh, so we're gonna go into the Hangman, awaiting the Exorcist, and then a great instrumental uh, called Born in the Night uh, from Restless and Dead. And Born in the Night um, has got some really kind of unique things happening for it. I mean, it's mostly instrumental. There's like kind of like some sort of gang vocal stuff that that happens about three and a half minutes into the song, you know, but there's really For no lyrics. And purposes, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's, it's definitely very, um, very groove laden more so than I think anything else on the record, you know? And then we've got the howling, the executioner and witch burner from the witch burner EP, uh, which came out in February 99. So enjoy.
That was Witchburner, The Executioner, The Howling, Born in the Night, Awaiting the Exorcist. And then we kicked things off with The Hangman. And so, uh, like I said, the, the same year as the Witchburner EP, uh, which only comes out a few months after Restless and Dead, you get the, the full length, the second full length. Uh, we should say that the... Dead uh, Hot and Ready. That the Witchburner EP was actually engineered by Mr. Andy, Andy LaRocque, Andy LaRocque. Yeah. from King Diamond fame. So yeah. yeah, so again, that part of that Merciful Fate, King Diamond kind of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, which is ironic, because probably those three songs that they put on there are the furthest away from Merciful Fate and King Diamond that Witchery ever gets in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, which is cool, you know, mm-hmm. that LaRocque wasn't trying to cookie-cutter them or whatever. Like, yeah. In fact, it but, sounds I mean, like LaRocque he almost played, like... played on Death Records and yeah, stuff, too. And, so it's, and at the gates, he plays a solo on Cold. Yeah. You know, so... So I think he was... I don't know if he was. I think he's just you know he likes music, just a fan general. of it, you know, yeah. whatever. Because I was really you know as a when I was younger, I was shocked to see like wow, the King Diamond guitarist is playing on a Death Record. Yeah, like, and that's then, crazy. Yeah, because it almost seemed like those two worlds at a certain point like didn't mix. Like we never listened to King Diamond when we were kids, you know, even though we I were into thought extreme, it was stupid. So, yeah, yeah, I couldn't get into the vocals. And now stuff. it's the one of my favorite bands ever. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, well, by the time people hear this, the probably the new decibel will be out with Abigail as the Hall of Fame. So kind of cool. Yeah, the uh, yeah the Go Horror cover. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but Dead Hot and Ready, uh, badass cover, as we were just commenting on, and we get to see uh, the skeleton third... looking up the yeah. dress of a dead woman in a. And he's got a nice. Uh, well, oh no! I thought it's, oh, he's holding the candle. I thought he had like a surgical tool for a second. No, okay. <laughs> uh, like extra, extra creepy. <laughs> but it's uh, the skeleton. He's the mask guy. His name is Ben Wrangle. So he makes uh, that's something appearance. that uh, yeah. He's also doing. I don't know if you noticed or not. He's throwing the W. Yeah. The uh, the witchery W, which yeah. is apparently this derived from trying to throw the horns up while holding a cigarette. Ah. <laughs> It's not not dissimilar to the winger W that we used to give back in uh, uh, middle yeah. school, just as a, <laughs> as a joke. We were inspired by Beavis and Butthead when Stuart would always wear the winger shirt, and, and <laughs> we had been winger fans back in like fifth grade, and so we thought it was really hilarious to make like a you know a winger kind of sign. But uh, yeah, I like the witchery one better. I think. Yeah, you're sure. basically just holding your ring finger down. Yeah, yeah. Damn, that's pretty. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm gonna do that from now on. So if you I, see us in public. Just always walk around with that. Throw out the witchery sign so we know who you are. And it was actually uh, after the Dead Hot and Ready that I actually got a pretty unique opportunity to see witchery live um, in Milan, Italy. Um, I don't think they've ever been to the States, have they? Maybe to a festival or something. It's hard to say. Yeah, none of the metal fests that we've ever been to. But um, at first I was like mildly disappointed because we had gone uh, where I lived in Italy by train was about five and a half hours to get to Milan, which might not sound like a lot, but you know, it is what train it is. sucks. Yeah. You know, train, but then I also had to go to class the next day. So we were taking the train up to Milan to see this show. And then we were going to take like the train back in the morning. So I could make it to like my noon class, mm-hmm. uh, a mess. It was a hot mess, but we had gone there with the intention that it was going to be Opeth and Catatonia playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as like the co-headliners and like my mind was kind of being blown around this possibility because this is before um, either band had played in the States if you remember right yeah because remember it was before that Metal Fest 2000 where Anathema Opeth and uh, Cat Tony all played together and stuff and so I was like totally geeked at the time and then I got there and they're like oh um, yeah Cat Tony canceled um and I said, well, who's playing right now? And they said, oh, it's a band playing like their last song. It's just like a, a local band uh, called November. And I was like, 
Wait, I'm like, what? November is playing and we missed it? Like, I didn't even know. And so yeah. we missed November. Catatonia is no longer playing. I was like all pissed off. And they're like, yeah, but they're being replaced by Witchery. And I was kind of like pouty about it. Like, ah, fuck it, you know. Yeah. But I will say that Witchery and their sound comes across perfect live. I mean, oh, they're, I, they're I like imagine. the perfect sounding band for, for that live show. Just mm-hmm. that crunch and the, and the thrash sort of thing. But, uh, you know, to get back into that debate that we were talking about before with, with Dead Hot and Ready, you know, it's... It's it's kind of a very samey record in a way, you know. It's not a bad record at all. It's not bad, but it's just it doesn't. Nothing really stands out on it, and it's the one I even I, I prefer both newer records. Not the um, not Witch Creek quite so much, but um, but Sympathy Symphony uh, Symphony, Symphony for the Devil yeah, and Don't uh, Fear yeah yep. Don't Fear the Reaper are both more listenable to me. This was the first one I got. Mm-hmm. I'd heard that I actually purchased. I heard the first CD when it came out, but for some reason I didn't buy it. Didn't buy it. Um, got this one. I was like, this kinda isn't really that. Yeah, I was underwhelmed, and then just kind of like threw it back in the, you know, in the, in the rack or whatever. Well, this like I think it was because of this that I just I I didn't write off Witchery, but I kind of was like, oh, cool. Like they had their their one or two good kind of things, and then I, I just sort of forgot about them for a long time. I'm know? actually kind of surprised that they've actually kept going for yeah. this long because I don't think they really tour much. I mean, if unless it's just like a passion project to to yeah. do this stuff now, maybe they're big in Europe. Who knows? I mean, you know, they could have a big German following or something. For yeah. all we know, I could know. see that. Uh, I mean, they had a pretty good crowd reaction when I saw them, and that was two thousand. You mm-hmm. know, it was after this, but no, I, yeah, I'd love to see them again. But I, I mean, I like them way better than Haunted or mm-hmm. um, well, I think the, the new Seance record I think was great that only came out a couple years ago. But yeah, yeah, but uh, so you know, I mean the. The tunes that we picked out were the the guillotine and the devil and the damage done. And one of the reasons we decided on the devil devil and damage done is a it's a pretty good song, but also uh, Charlie, right? Yeah, he does. Uh, Charlie D'Angelo does the bass player does the the lead at the end. Yeah, which is kind of neat. Yeah, you know, just it's, sh- it's kind of an interesting song too. It's they don't really I don't think they've ever done anything that quite sounds like the song either. Yeah, it's kind of an anomaly. What what jumps out to you? About just just it? the way it's it's kind of like the guitar is more jangly. If that really makes much sense. Um, just the yeah, like structure wise, it's it's not as thrash as a lot of the other stuff. I think there's more like uh, more hard rock. I okay. think in it more than I'm hearing, but yeah, which again they have that they have that aspect to them when you look at you know the influence of like the accepts and some of that that that's sort of built into the mm-hmm. the songwriting that they do, you know. And uh, this is the last record or last record with uh, with Mick on drums. Mick, yeah. Then yeah. Uh, Martin Axelrod. Yeah. comes in who everybody will know from Opeth yeah. or and uh, Bloodbath. From Bloodbath yeah. yep. and, he's uh, been in a handful of other bands too but yeah and I can't remember where he came from before this uh, well I think he had done something with Satanic Slaughter like the the post 95 Satanic yeah. Slaughter I think he had he was also in some other shit too as well because I don't think Satanic Slaughter really toured that much they just um, I, I thought he came from like a really oh, I'm thinking of another drummer because uh, the last drummer came from Monomarth Oh, Martin Mendez, or that's the bass player. Uh, the other Martin, the other Martin Lopez Mendez. Uh, no, Martin. Uh, God, I can't remember. Is one of the Martins from Lopez came yeah. from Monomarth, but I think I think I'm thinking Mario Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, racist. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, well, you know, Saved by the Bell is what it is. There you go. But then you know, uh, speaking of Martin, his debut is on Sympathy. Symphony for the Devil. I keep wanting to see Sympathy. I've been teaching rock and roll history too long. Well, that's Rolling obviously Stones. where that came from, yeah, too. Exactly. So you get Symphony for the Devil, which um, is their last record in Necropolis. And, and I think this speaks, this might be one of the aspects. I think we brought this up in another show. Um, 
I can't remember what the other show was or what band that had been on Necropolis, but when Necropolis starts to crumble as like a record label, they're almost like bringing some of the bands down with them that, that, that were on the label because Witchery puts this out in 2001, which is only, you know, a year and a half after Dead Hot and Ready, mm-hmm. and then like nothing for five years. And I wonder yeah. if like it was this whole idea that they had to sort of like, you know, refine a contract, get you know, like get their shit back together. That it took five years because well, they, also that was that was also peak time when the haunted was really blowing up. Yeah, so maybe Patrick, you know, Jensen was like doing a lot of. That, I mean, that could be, but I, I know there's a lot of you know issues with you know. Okay, if, if they had like a five album contract or something with Necropolis, they go under. Some of that stuff is still in legalities. Maybe yeah, it's just in, yeah, in legal limbo, basically. But I have a feeling a lot of it had to do with probably The Haunted being... That was when they were fucking huge. Yeah, that's true. Early or when 2000s. they started getting... Yeah, there, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Because The Haunted made me do it was like, what, 2001-ish? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and then... Uh, or 2000. I think it was 2000, but then like uh, One Kill Wonder, I think it was 2003 or... Yeah, but that was when they were really starting to like, you know, tour the states a lot yeah. and you know, open up for big national acts and stuff too. Uh they were getting Grammy nominations and stuff, I think, around that time yeah. the Haunt it was. So I think the the first record I hate. The second See, you hate it more than I do. I, I can handle it's some fucking of it. boring. I, there's some stuff in the middle that I like. The I, vocalist I, sucks too. Yeah, I'm not a Shane big fan guy. of him. Yeah. And which he came back now, but I think the second third Haunted Maybe Do great. It's great. Like yeah. and One Kill Wonder is pretty badass too. Yeah. You know, I listen to Haunted Maybe Do a lot more. But, um, what's the guy's name? Like Mark Arco or something the other I don't know where that yeah, singer and came he, from. He had like a real nice uh He had a very Tampa mm-hmm. sound. Which I think at the time I think I appreciated the fact that Tampa wasn't doing death metal stuff really. You know, mm-hmm. I mean he was doing various projects here and there, but and, yeah. You know, but there was no more at the gates, so why not have a at the gates sounding band with most of the members of At the Gates? Like it just made sense to yeah. me, but people were kinda like critical of that I was like, Why? It doesn't make any it's, sense. It's not, if it sounds good, yeah, exactly. listen to it. <laughs> you know, and people didn't like the, the Tampa Crown record and all that. And I, I, was like, I don't understand that at all. Awesome. I think that that's unbelievable. I'll defend that to the T. You know, like, the re-recording is absolutely pathetic. Yeah. Like, There's no reason why they need to go back and do that. Sweden, man. Fucking strange people. Strange, strange. Yeah, as much as we love the country, we can't always figure out the intention. Well, Eric put out, I think Eric might have put out that reissue, too. Oh, so the re-recording. Maybe. In, in typical Eric fashion. I mean, how many Eric copies of shit do I have? Yeah. No shit. I think I have four copies of Slaughter of the Soul. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep raking in money off that release. That's for you, sure. you throw a DVD on it, man. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm a We're sucker suckers. for that. Yep. Yeah. But Symphony for the Devil, this is, uh, you know, this is a great record. This, this I think you said, alongside Restless and Dead, might be my favorite full length, for sure. Oh, you easily. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it, there's a catchy element that's that's coming. It's not as intense as maybe, like, the stuff that you heard on Witchburner or even even moments of, like, Restless and Dead, but it's got a lot more groove-laden stuff, like we're going to hear on the very Merciful Fate, uh, Hearse of the Pharaohs, which, <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> which has Hank Sherman doing a hell of a... Fun. I mean, basically, the whole first... Two minutes, two and a half minutes of the song is a Hank Sherman solo, which is awesome. Yeah, Yeah. but you know, and and it's kind of a barn burner. It kicks off with the storm, and uh, you know, a song we didn't play, "Unholy Wars," which is the second track, and then "Inquisition," which is the third track. You know, we're gonna play the storm and "Inquisition," but it's kind of a nice trio to really get things rocking. Well, this is Um, the first record I think that's recorded more. It has more of not necessarily a modern sound, but more of like a rock aesthetic where it's mm-hmm. not so compressed and it actually has a lot of warmth and stuff to it as well. So yeah, I think that sets it apart. Cause it, I mean, it's still a pretty fast record, but the restless and dead had such, 
I like the compression on the guitars, and I mean, it was just felt felt immediate, and like it was a punch in the gut every time you heard a song. Yep, yep. This is a little bit more mature, yeah, you know, outing can, for sure. I can definitely hear that, and maybe Martin brings something to the table too. He's a more refined he, he plays drummer, I think, than than Mickey's got more of a kind of his bag of tricks, like Andy Whale from Bolt or how he does this, you know, standard kind of approach to a song. He's um, more barbaric, whereas Martin's more. Uh, finely tuned in a, in a sort of way he you know? and he's like a human metronome too yeah he's crazy if you've ever seen you know videos of him doing like opeth studio stuff or well and then in charlie's so talented so that just sort of creates I think, like a, a much stronger rhythm section that yeah. kind of complement each other if you look at just the individual musicians in this band it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable yeah <laughs> yeah and it's and i think that one of the common complaints uh of like you know symphony for the devil and don't fear the reaper is um maybe how Toxine's vocals sometimes are, are toned down a little bit, or or there's just he's experimenting with different ways of singing. There's some people that miss some of the ways that he did stuff on, like say, Witchburner, Restless, and Dead, where he's kind of a little bit more over the but top. Sometimes the way he's or, singing, I have a feeling that you can only do that for so long before, <laughs> yeah. if you want to keep singing that way, you have to modify your style. Yeah. You know, not you know, similar like how Hetfield can't sing you know like early metallica stuff without yeah, crap yeah because otherwise it'll blow his vocal cords out yeah. which i understand but i don't always It'll, appreciate but i think with toxin i it doesn't bother me yeah you know it's just a different era but you know and it's interesting that just there is some people that have kind of resistance to this 2000s era stuff which uh is strange you know i mean i don't know you know they like that late 90s kind of stuff and and you know you're always gonna find that the people that like the the sort of original sort of traditional stuff and don't want to like adapt as the band's kind of growing mm-hmm. and adapting but i like how they spread their wings like musically and sonically on symphony for the devil you know you but get, they never go off the rails no it's it, you know a witchery song is a witchery song you know i mean like there's, yeah. there's not really any way around <laughs> that uh but there's a really other a cool other instrumental that we don't have a chance to play called bone mill which uh is very similar to uh the metal church that song, metal right? church uh uh, I want to say Merciless Death, but that's obviously Dark Angel. Um, it's it's off the very first uh, Metal Church record, but mm-hmm. it's anyways it's it's pretty pretty like remember. similar to yeah. to the sounding to it, but very cool. But we got you know one one instrumental is like uh, enough. And one of the things that's cool about Witchery is they almost have like great instrumentals on every record. You know, we played Born in the Night. We're going to be playing uh, Hearse of the Pharaohs. You know, I mean those are I believe. Um don't feel the, the reaper, reaper has some has one as well, but I don't yeah, know which one. I'm was, trying to remember what it's called, but is it the the weight of the pyramids? Might be because I had that written on my list. Yeah, it might have been the weight of the pyramids. <laughs> but I was like, ah, oh, we don't need three instrumentals yeah, on yeah. the show. But definitely some cool stuff. So uh, we're gonna play uh, the guillotine and the devil and the damage done from Dead Hot and Ready. Uh, of course, devil and damage done it features uh, Charlie and uh, lead guitar at the end there. The storm and Inquisition, uh, and then Hearse of the Pharaohs from Symphony for the Devil. Then we're gonna close things out with a pair of uh, tunes from Don't Fear the Reaper that have uh, something kind of unique in common, uh, besides the fact that they're both very short. And we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back. So enjoy the guillotine.
Legion of the Hades, Immortal Death, Hearse of the Pharaohs, Inquisition, The Storm, Devil and the Damage Done, and The Guillotine. And uh, what was going on in those last two tunes there from Don't Fear the Reaper, Mark? Well, actually, those are uh, Satanic Slaughter songs that are from the self-titled record from 1995. Nice. Re-recorded. Re-recorded. Yeah. Sounding a lot nicer uh, and more fleshed out, in a, in and a sense. And faster, actually, it's, right? <laughs> yeah, they're faster by quite a bit, actually. But, uh, yeah, it's refreshing to actually hear a minute, 30-second song. Yeah. Why you don't have to always have shit, you know, yeah. six, eight minutes long. Sometimes, and Grindcore has done that so well for so long, but yeah. you know, sometimes. But this death like metal so did like Speed Metal as well did that a lot, but it, it's it's nice to hear these just re recorded and I I think everybody if you can find that self titled Satanic Slaughter record ninety five, it's got a uh, Carmanic cover on it mm-hmm. with the skulls and terrible font usage. But uh it's a fantastic record. Yeah. It's one of my favorites from that era. Just yeah. like a weird like kind of a under under underappreciated gem i think that's out there sure yeah and it's it's neat again to hear um you know a band like witchery kind of going back to their roots so often and, and we've often had suspicion that there were a couple of songs on symphony for the devil that may have been i think uh, the last two tracks. re-recorded satanic slaughter songs but they changed the name so we can't really trace it i'm almost positive if i took some time and sat down and went back and forth between the songs i could figure out what they are but i'm almost positive it's something off those two those yeah. first uh or the, the 95 Satanic Slaughter record. So with Don't Fear the Reaper, you know, like I said, this put out in 2006. They got a new label now. They're uh, Century Media. Um, and, you know, and it's it's kind of a new beginning for the band. But then, unfortunately, things kind of stall out. And, you know, Toxine leaves. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really know why. Yeah. Um, we, were, we were trying to debate that around. I have, I have a feeling that the um, they don't really tour that often so it's so probably a, a, lot of money. a money-making band yeah you know people hitting their mid mid to late 30s if you're not making money by this you're either you know have a lifestyle where you don't have to support a family or you know so who, who knows what's happening but he yeah. leaves and then legion comes on yeah former um, marduk vocalist which you know he's fine with marduk but i think he's he did never, some interesting things with his vocals on that witch creek record but he tries to to like go outside of his, his comfort zone a little bit which i you know i can respect but i just Toxine, I mean, that's like one of those vocalists, like, okay, he replaced like, like ingredient, him and Charlie. Yeah, you, know? you replace like Rob Halford. Okay, you can get a guy that sounds like him, but it's not the same. Yeah. yeah. And this doesn't really sound the same. And Legion has since left, and now they've got uh, Dominion Caligula from former, yeah, the Dark, old, Funeral. former Dark Funeral vocalist yeah. now, which. Or is it got, Dominion? No, I'm sorry. Emperor. Emperor Caligula. Dominion, or Emperor something. You're thinking of the band Dominion Caligula. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, some, yeah it's some big, long, like Lord Aramon bullshit, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the old vocalist of Dark Funeral is now in the band so yeah. apparently so. they're going to maybe they're doing live stuff or whatever yeah. i would really like to see toxine come back but so we're not going to really talk about the witch creek record which is it's fine it's, it's just got a lot of cool guest stars and stuff you know yeah gary holt's on it uh Kerry, King. Kerry king's on it yeah. so hank uh, sherman's on it again isn't he yeah i believe he is yeah there you go so but we are going to close things out with the ritual which is a kind of a different sounding song for them it's more groove laden uh has some sort of slower dimensions to it um it's allowed to breathe a little bit more than, than mm-hmm. some of the stuff that you've been hearing from them recently but uh 
yeah, let us know what you thought on uh, the witchery front. You know, this is a, a band that, that, you know, whenever I pull some of these records out, they're fun. And I can't believe in some ways that they weren't more popular than they were, you know, especially those early, early records. You a know? lot of it comes down to distribution. Yeah. From... And maybe, maybe now that the retro thrash thing's kind of coming out, they'll be seen sort of in uh, kind of a godfather like light in the i think they were, they're they're probably just a band that's just under a lot of people's radar mm-hmm. that maybe they've heard of them but they've never they just like dismissed it or something yeah. but For yeah sure. it's definitely if you're into retro thrash or fuck any good swedish death metal just, or just good like heavy metal because i mean they are ultimately when it comes down to it i mean they have some black metal elements some death metal elements some thrash but they're just pure metal really yeah. you know yeah. in, a, in a great way so uh yeah but let us know what you thought uh shoot us an email at requiempodcast at gmail.com or check us out on facebook mark and jason leave us an itunes rating uh we've been getting a lot of good yeah. actual reviews and ratings back from people and we very much appreciate yeah, that we like that's how people and stuff too so yeah unfortunately we don't have time to respond to all <laughs> yeah. of them yeah um but they are all read and, and appreciated but the the great thing about the itunes thing too is that that's how people can gauge whether or not they're going to check the show out so far yeah. we've got a perfect rating mm-hmm. and uh we've had some really awesome thoughtful comments Absolutely. as well yeah and checks out uh on the on the website too requiempodcast.com where you can find cool merch and become an executive producer mm-hmm. uh which was always appreciated and stuff and then uh you know stay tuned because uh the next episode will be our year end uh several we'll parter several parter yeah and then that that means we're only a couple episodes away dun, 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 from uh, number 150 150 the very special episode we've been hinting at for the one that while. yeah that's gonna take me forever to edit <laughs> we've got some editing over christmas break to do <laughs> that's for sure so uh anyways for the ritual and witchery uh i'm jason and i'm mark